Welcome to Thursday Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My name is Jesse Ott, the host of this podcast, which is all about beverage innovation. I talk with innovation pioneers from agriculture to glass. This week, I'm speaking with Jack Seifrick, founder and proprietor of Cast Wines. You know those people you meet that can just change careers and be successful at all of them? Yeah, that's Jack. A curious entrepreneur at heart, Jack has never been shy about entering a new endeavor, feet first, and exploring ways to achieve his dreams. This trained accountant jumped into seafood importing marketing at the start of his career, crossed over to commercial real estate services, and then dabbled in architectural design. Lastly, he created and sold a community banking business before starting Cast Wines. He and his wife fell in love with Sonoma on a vacation and lived there part-time and in Dallas part-time. The winery was built from the ground up, which is now five acres of Zinfandel and Petite Syrah grapes. They are a winery destination, so most of their sales come from the tasting room and direct to consumer sales. They produce four to 5,000 cases a year. We taste two wines on the podcast, both made with Zinfandel. The first was a Brut Rosé and the second was created in its truest form and was by far the best Zinfandel I have ever had. Jack's passion for the wine business is obvious and by the way, this team is making darn good wines. Be sure to check them out. Tune in next Thursday and have a great week. And be sure to subscribe to be notified of all new episodes. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us at Thursday, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My name is Jesse, and I have Jack Seafrick here, founder of Cask Wines. How are you doing today, Jack? Doing great. Thanks. You have a beautiful background there. You want to talk about the the history of what's with all those bottles behind you? Um, you know, um, I'm... I'm sitting in uh, a, a little area that used to be the tasting room of our, of our winery here in Dry Creek Valley in Sonoma County. And um, uh, we, we expanded uh, a, a, a couple of years ago, and this is now kind of a private event room. And we also uh, use it to host a lot of virtual wine tastings that we do with our um, mostly corporate clients. Uh, but uh, those are, that's a um, that's a collection of a blend we do called uh, Invocation it, it, that was recently bottled, and it's just kind of what we're displaying right now. Uh, so oh, it looks really pretty. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's 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 gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Well done. So um, so you're at the winery. So where exactly is that located? So we are a little over an hour north of San Francisco. We're in Sonoma County. Um, and we're in the Dry Creek Valley. Uh, it's an okay. ADA and it's a, it's a region. Um, I live in downtown Healdsburg, which has kind of become in the last 10 years, uh, kind of a hub of wine tourism for wine lovers and uh, across the mm -hmm. uh, area. And um, so we, we own about a 15 acre parcel, uh, a hillside vineyard. Um, and we um, bought it in 2012. Um, along with some partners and my wife and I run the operation um, and um, um, we when we bought it it was just a vineyard we started the winery from scratch so it took a couple of years oh, wow. to get it and then design and construction we opened Memorial Day weekend of 2014 so nine years ago um, um, and uh, I think we had three wines four wines at the time but uh, our first vintage was a 2012 vintage so we were selling 2012 wines when we first opened what kind of wines did you start with? The vineyard we purchased, um, uh, our estate vineyard today, has five acres of Zinfandel and one acre of Petit Syrah. 
So we, oh, were, yeah. we were making Petite Syrah and Zinfandel. Um, we also uh, we also had a friend who had a vineyard um, with some fantastic Sauvignon Blanc. So we had a Sauvignon Blanc the very first year. Um, and then I've always been a fan of sparkling wine um, from some other um, uh, business in the hospitality world that I had done. I, I always appreciated what a bottle of bubbles could do to start a party. And, um, and so we, we launched with a, a sparkling wine that, a, that another friend helped us make. Uh, so we had a, a sparkling, um, a Sauvignon Blanc. We had a Pinot Noir from a great vineyard out here in Russian River um, and a Zen when we opened. Nice. Those are strong varietals for that area. Nice. Nicely done. <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the great things about where we are is, you know, Hillsburg has this fantastic and I think unique um, characteristic of being um, at, at kind of the crossroads of, of three very distinctive growing regions. You have the Russian River Valley for fantastic Pinot and Chardonnay, a little colder climate. You have the Dry Creek Valley where our winery sits, which is really known for Zin, um, and then uh, and Petit Sarah, and then you have right over the hill um, is the Alexander Valley, where you have you know world class cab, and you have people like Jordan and Silver Oak and others making cab. And I liked coming here because I have an interest in all those wines, and I didn't really want to, I didn't want to be the European model where we only bottled what we grew. I wanted to, I wanted to be more hospitality focused in terms of celebrating the great diversity of what we have in this region and being able to make up a, a fantastic Pinot, even though the winery sits uh, uh, on a piece of land that wouldn't be suitable for Pinot, but 10 miles away, it's great. And so- Isn't that crazy? I, the little microclimates out there? Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's like if you took Bordeaux, Burgundy and the Rhone and you smash them all together to one little town. Um, and that's, that's kind of what Hillsburg has to offer. So uh, we celebrate that almost every day. I love that. That's awesome. Well, you know, you're doing what you're meant to do, right? When you wake yeah. up that happy every day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when, when every single one of your guests comes into your property with a smile on their face and a great mood, it's hard to be grumpy. Um, you yeah, just that's to, true. You have to that's embrace true. the fact that we're really, really lucky people. We, we, we live in, I, I, I think of it as America's Eden. I mean, it's just, it's just, things grow here and the climate is so great. And, um, it's just a, it's a great, um, destination to visit. And it's also a really, really fun place with a lot of creative and interesting people to live. So we love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I've been out there only once, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so I need to get out there and spend some more time. I, and I haven't been to yeah. Sonoma, so definitely need to, uh, you know, most people are first get out trip there. Out to Napa. It's kind of understandable. Napa is much more well known. Um, and I like Napa. We go over there. I just went over there for my birthday um, uh, two weeks ago for dinner. But oh, um, happy birthday! Thanks. But the um, the thing you get in Sonoma is you get a more human scale environment. So you get a lot more wineries where you're apt to meet the winemaker or the owner when you walk in the door. Um, and it's just a little less commercialized and it's much yeah. more diverse. It's much more diverse yep. in terms of the kinds of wines that you could enjoy. You know, you spend a week in Healdsburg and you can have, you know, three or four very, very vastly different experiences in terms of the wines you're trying. Yeah, Not actually I lied. Right, exactly. I've been there twice, but it was both for work. So I had no control. <laughs> I was just <laughs> along for the ride. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. 
Um, speaking of bubbles, don't we have a bubbles that we want to try to start off the uh, conversation before we uh, start from the beginning? All right, we let's do. talk about it. So this is a 2020 uh, vintage wine, and it's unique because it's made out of Zinfandel. Um, nice. So, um, Great color. I, as I said, I, I've been I've been producing sparkling wines um, since we opened. Um, we have a, a winemaker, Ashley Hersberg, who joined me uh, summer of 2019. There it is. Um, yep. Ashley, among other things, is a sparkling wine nut. Like, like she's a winemaker, but she takes her kids on vacation on her weeks off and they go to, they go to champagne and they taste champagnes and come back. You know? <laughs> and so she I joined like her us. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she joined us in 2019 and she, she knew that we had a history of, of selling sparkling wine. It had always been from, you know, the, the, the typical kind of Carneros region, um, Chardonnay, Pinot kind of focused. And she's like, I have a question for you. Why aren't you making a sparkling wine from your own estate grapes? And um, I said, well, because there's Zinfandel. And she goes, well, that's stupid. We can make a fantastic sparkling Zinfandel. And I said, okay, <laughs> I'll trust you. And so we literally made a commitment <laughs> And the 2019 vintage, we um, we took about oh gosh eight or ten tons of of zin. We 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 harvested it early. We get the base wine made, and and we we put it on trage and and um, um, released that wine just last year. Um, and this is the this is actually the the rosé set out so quickly. This is the second vintage, the 2020. Um, so we make um, we make three wines from from this. Uh, vineyard uh, sparkling wines. We do a Blanc de Noir, which is a uh, Blanc de Noir means white from red or um, white from red. So we, we do a almost clear, um, um, uh, bright sparkling. And then we do the rosé, which has a touch of, of red zin in the dosage, which makes it adds body and complexity and a little pink color. And then we also do, a, um, we, we leave um, one of the wines, uh, we leave Entourage for extra time and we uh, make a brunature. So 100% natural, no, no dosage. Um, and that's that's kind of the flagship that's really, really bright, crisp, high acid, fantastic with like oysters or something like that. Um, and those wines, those wines got released for the first time last year and they've been selling like crazy and people love it. And people love the fact that, you know, a lot of times that we don't tell them it's Zinfandel till after they've tried it because some people go, well, I'm not sure I want to try that. But um, um, once once <laughs> once they try it, they love it. So it's it's kind of I wanted to share it with you because it 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 also kind of um, ties into one of our themes here, which is the the versatility of of, of Zinfandel grapes um, and the fact that you can make white Zin, pink Zin, red Zin, sparkling Zin. Um, and they all have uniquely different characteristics, all from the same grape, which, you know, Zin isn't grown anywhere else in the world. It's, you know, uniquely American. Um, we play that up a lot around the 4th of July coming up. Um, <laughs> you know, Everybody's so, drinking Zin. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're in Dry Creek, you celebrate Zin. Um, it's the right. best place to go Zin in the world. And, um, and, you know, Zin went through a little bit of a period in the 70s and 80s, where it was either known as kind of a sweet white zen, a pinkish yeah. blush wine, or or it was known for being, you know, overly uh, heavy, jammy, high alcohol, uh, kind of grocery store wine. And and, um, and the, the, you know, the great news is there's some people out, out here doing fantastic job 
of making kind of what we refer to as white tablecloth zins that stand up to, you know, any cab or uh, yep. other big reds you might want to try. Yeah, I remember 15 years ago, um, I was at dinner with a coworker of mine and he wanted Zen. I go, well, why do you want Zen? And, I, and I'm like, and I not really knowing, I go, I don't like Zen. He's like, really? And he, so he got it. And I, and I, I was so surprised it had full body. It was spicy. It was perfect for whatever we were eating at the time. And, you know, now I, I used to have a, another coworker of mine that worked at the uh, uh, grocery store near us that would, I'd go, Hey, I have, we're cooking this. What do I, what do I uh, pick up? And she would recommend a Zen from time to time. And it was perfect with whatever we were having. I think one of the most outstanding ones was with barbecue. And it was just absolutely perfect because, you know, with a little bit of a spice with the sweet, it just went really well together. It was, yeah, it was, sure. it was awesome. It's a, yeah. it's a great one. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's very versatile. I mean, you can have it with a pizza. You can have it with a burger. You can have it with great barbecue wine, um, you know, and the rosé. We're, we have a new rosé we've just launched called Sonoma Time, and it's half zen. And, and you know, that's just a, a pool pounder, if you will. I mean, it, it's good right on its own. Um, so uh, now we're, 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 we're keen to it. The, the only problem you have in our business is um, people don't want to pay a lot for a Zinfandel because they're used to it being kind of a cheap wine. So right. whether it's grapes you're trying to sell or finished wine or you're trying to get a wine, you know, at a restaurant or, or something, you know, you always have a little bit of, of downward price pressure on it. So uh, that's that's something that Zen has to overcome over time. I wonder if like the the um, increase in prices of everything, maybe that'll kind of like not wipe that out, but help with that. You know, it might just kind of wipe that out or at least close some of that gap because everything's getting more expensive anyway. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe it'll that help was- kind of. See, I mean, the economy right now and the and the, kind of the world, the status of the world in terms of trying to sell expensive wines um, is, is there's a lot of unknowns right now. It's a lot of uncertainty. Um, and uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, we've been, but I don't, the 10 years that we've been in business, I mean, you know, the, the time we picked to get in this business and what happened over the next 10 years in terms of being evacu- evacuated three times for fire and being shut down two extended periods for COVID and all the things that have been thrown at us, it's, it's been pretty dramatic. And, yeah. uh, and so what, what, what we've learned is you just have to stay versatile. You have to, uh, you know, be nimble and, uh, and, and don't get too hung up on, um, you know, a way of doing things because there's lots of ways to do things. And that's, that's kind of what, just being in the farming business and dealing with the annual changes in the seasons, um, as as well as kind of on the sales front, all the different obstacles, it's kind of taught us. You know, this is we're in this for the long run. It's not yep. anything. People don't get in the wine business to get rich quick. Um, nope. Yeah. No, it's a completely different model, and, and you know, like you said, it's an agriculture product. And even I was when I was in the business for a while. Um, you know, when I worked with Ben at Saint Michelle. He made a comment about, well, it's an we're an agricultural company, and I, and I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, well, we we own land, we own, we have to manage the the you know the viticulture, the the grapes, we have to make sure we have to pick, we have to you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, and then you think about all the costs that go into that, 
all the people that are managing that and then the cost of glass and creating the label and then shipping and you know all those costs really add up so you know the the fact that you can get a bottle of wine between 10 and 15 dollars and it's incredible wine you know that's 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 hard to even understand or fathom right yeah so and and that's high volume (laughs) <laughs> yeah, those are those are your high volume brands, right? Not your not your right. estate high stuff. Volume brand, like like for instance, my neighbor across the street, good guys, Ferrari Corrado. They're you know they're uh, Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnays in every every grocery store on a lot of wine lists. You know they they make eight hundred thousand cases a year or something, and, right. and you know, here we are making four, and um, you know they can sell wines at prices that I can't touch without going out of business. So. Uh, yeah, yep. you have to you have to stay focused on who your customer base is and, yep. and what your true product is. You know, and our product is as much the 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 uh, the, the wine beverage as it is the experience of discovering it. And so we have to th- we have to remind ourselves every day not to take our location and our beautiful surroundings for granted because it's part of what helps people fall in love with us and want to maybe open a bottle up back in Texas. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. And remember that experience they had out here. Yeah. So, so Jack, should we try the, uh, the Brut Rosé now? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Okay. This is a, uh, this is a 2020, uh, sparkling Zinfandel Rosé, uh, from our estate vineyard. And, um, we, we started making estate Zinfandel sparklings in 2019 when my, uh, winemaker Ashley Hersberg joined, joined me. Um, and, um, uh, it was a revelation to me. I didn't, I, I hadn't had a sparkling Zinfandel and I don't know anyone else making Z- sparkling wine out of Zinfandel, but it's got a bright high acid viscosity, good viscosity. It's a uh, nice strawberry, little citrusy, um, has a yeah. um, five gram per liter dosage. So not, not overly sweet, but uh, good mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great mouthfeel. Absolutely delicate and lovely. Uh, definitely strawberry, right? Little citrus. Yeah, yeah. You so do it's get still a little bit with a salad or some seafood or on its own, you know. Um, yep. You know, our our philosophy is wine, wine is wine is for enjoying with food. So mm-hmm. you know, every people ask me all the time, "What's your favorite wine?" And I say, "It depends on." Depends on what I'm eating, who I'm with, what where I right. am, and what's the temperature. <laughs> <laughs> what my mood is. That's right. Yeah. No, this has got great honey notes and yeah, nice brioche. And isn't it flavor fun too? That it's I, wonderful. Like, isn't it fun that a grape like Zinfandel can express itself in in this way? And from the same vineyard, um, you know, you can get uh, depending upon how you when yeah. you pick it and how you make it, you can. You could get something totally different. So uh, that's true. Uh, so when you pick it, is it different time? Yeah, we pick oh, it earlier. Delicious. We pick it lower. Um, we pick it at a lower level of sugar. Um, sparkling wine wants to be picked, especially when you're using a traditional method to make it through term- two fermentations. You you want to pick it earlier at lower sugar so that it's got higher acid and lower alcohol in the first fermentation. That leaves okay. room to do a second fermentation that adds a little bit of alcohol without it becoming too, you know, overpowering. So, um, yeah. So this is a this is a traditional method sparkling. You know, it kind of feeds into this theme that we have here at our small working winery of of, you know, experimenting and innovating and doing things other people don't do. 
Um, we also do a pet nat uh, sparkling, which uh, is really fun and, you know, kind of rediscovered, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago in the Rhone, um, the ancient way that sparkling wine was originally discovered by, you know, only one fermentation, just bottling it before it's done fermenting and letting it finish in the bottle. And uh, interesting. Uh, so we have, we have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, that's that sounds like a lot of fun. I hadn't, I actually haven't ever heard of that before. <laughs> pet nat. What what is no. it called? It um, the shorthand for it is pet nat. You'll see that on on labels. It stands for petalant natural, um, which is the French term for the for the original ancient single fermentation way of making sparkling. You don't see it, um, you know, broadly done because it's really kind of finicky. I mean, imagine you've got a tank. You've got a fermentation going and you have to try to bottle it without interrupting the fermentation um, at at a precise level of, of, of bricks and alcohol that will allow it to finish in the bottle um, and, and and come out the way you want it. And so right. it's kind of a moving target. We um, during the pandemic, we um, we had some extra time because we didn't have any guests. And um, but the state of California um, thankfully, you know, considered wineries to be essential businesses. So we were here and, um, and so, you know, whether it was our marketing team or hospitality or our, our, our winemaking team, I said, you know, what are some of the things that you've always wanted to do, but you've never had time to do. And so one, you know, one of the things that came out of that, I think it was from our marketing guys was, you know, let's do a pet mat. And I had never heard of it either. Um, it's not like I'm some 50 year in the business guy. And, um, so we experimented. We did a pet nat of Zen and a pet nat of Pinot that year. And the Zen we bottled um, and didn't, um, we didn't uh, disgorge it uh, and take the yeast out. And the Pinot we did. And the and we will never do that again, the, what we did with the Zen, because um, I had to pay for, <laughs> I had to pay for like three blouses. <laughs> because when you don't disgorge it, you, you have very little control over how much pressure is in the bottle. And, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you get this dark red, uh, you know, kind of rosé-ish Zinfandel and, th you know, three different people opened it and it, it, it kind of exploded on them. So um, they, they were all good hearted about it and said the wine was great. You my blouse. So, uh, uh, so you have anyhow. to just put a little hole in the cork to kind of slowly ease the. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, those come like a crown cap, like a pop bottle uh, cap. On. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's not and, really much you can do with that. And you and you you can't really put a. I mean, you we put a little thing in saying please let this sit for a while and and it is under pressure, but you can't really you know say too much to someone that it causes them to not to want to open it. So uh, right. Anyhow, we won't do that again. Now we now we just scourge <laughs> them out and make it nice and clean. And so we're doing about thirty cases of pet nat a year now, um, and it's kind of a fun project. Is the taste different? Is there anything that you can describe that would make it? different you know what it, it is it's it's probably you know and and when i hear about natural wines it, it's about the most natural wine you can have there's no filtration there's no additives there's no dosage there's nothing um it has a crisp clean uh, really really light taste and the bubbles tend to be more fine um than coarse they tend to be more like the fizziness of a fresco or a, a soda pop um okay and it, it's just a, it's a lighter bodied wine and, okay. um, um, and, you know, it's great for summer, great for, um, we like to uh, say it's a party starter, you know, opening a couple of bottles of pet nat and kicking off a party. It's a, it's yep. a, it's a 
and it, and it gets everybody going. But, you know, the go-to wine, and we do over 500 cases a year of just um, traditional method sparkling, in, in, including this uh, uh, Brut Rosé of Zinfandel, um, much, much more um, predictable to make, a lot, lot longer. I mean, this is a wine that takes almost three years to make, whereas the yeah. Pet Nat, uh, we're releasing 22s right now. Um, okay. and, uh, so it's a fast, faster turnaround wine. So com really kind of completely different, uh, texture and, and, uh, flavor profile and, and, and different, different intended use, if you will. Are you finding that people know what that means or are you, or are you just kind of targeting the people that actually would know like so sommeliers and it's, it's twofold. Psalms love it. And the reason it's caught on again is because there's a, there's a, a group of people out there that are wine geeks and they know what it yeah. is and they seek it out. Right. Yep. And so it gives you as a, as a producer trying to be seen, trying to be noticed, it gives us a little street cred with those kind of people, but it, but it also feeds into the narrative of, you know, we're out here hosting people every day. I have people just outside the door here on our terrace enjoying the afternoon right now. And part of what we do is we help them wherever they are along their wine journey in terms of level of knowledge or whatever, we help kind of expand their knowledge a little bit. And if they're if they're curious, then it becomes something that they heard about from us. And so right. have you ever tried this? Have you ever even heard about it? And they're like, no, I haven't. No one's ever, you know. And so it it, it helps us forge a bond with our guests. Um, and it's, it's part of how I view kind of innovation and creativity as kind of a cornerstone to how we're different, right? Because there's so yep. many wineries, so many good wineries, and, you know, we have an absolutely stunning, beautiful place. And I think our people take good care of our guests. And but a lot of people can say that in, in wine country. And so you just have to kind of uh, figure out a way to, you know, um, focus on the things that you're really interested in. And, and to me, it's always been about, OK, we've got this winery. We've got great grapes. We have really talented people. What can we do that no one else is doing? And, right. You know, that leads you to do a sparkling Zen or a pet nat or one, two years in a row, we bottled the base wine for the sparkling Zen is actually a white wine. It's you bring the Zen in, you, you press it immediately to get the skins off of it because the skins are where you get all the color and, and you, you ferment it and you end up with this totally dry, really high acid, lean kind of 11.5, 11.7% alcohol base wine that you then add sugar and, and, um, um, and uh, yeast to, to start the second fermentation. Well, we had that base wine in a tank. We're doing a tour here. And um, about five tours in a row, people were like, we'd, we'd taste them on that and say, you know, this is going to be sparkling wine one day. And people were like, well, I would just buy that. And so, you know, <laughs> two, years in a row, we, two years in a row, we just, we just bottled a barrel of it. Um, we call it Don't Judge Me because there's so many, <laughs> there's so many kind of, uh, maybe negative connotations of what white Zinfandel is out there. And um, we have a little cult following for that wine now. I mean, it's fantastic with oysters. We, we had a launch party for it and had uh, and served oysters. But um, so it's just part of the fun kind of we have here. And, then, and yeah. then obviously we make really traditional wines like a red Zinfandel. Right. Which uh, you mentioned is your uh, in previous conversations that this is your flagship, the Zin. It is. Um, when you're in Dry Creek Valley, it's known for Zinfandel. Yep. When um, when um, when you're at our property, you're literally 
you're you're really sitting in an Adirondack chair looking out on this vineyard and it's a Zinfandel vineyard. And so um, we celebrate that. We've made this wine obviously every year since we bought the property in 2012. And um, and it's it's a, it's a fun wine for us. The When we first bought the vineyard, it had been farmed by the prior owner more for volume and less for quality. And so they watered a lot and got the um, got the yield up. And so um, when we bought it in 2012, it was in the start of a drought, which was kind of helpful because we wanted to we wanted to let the the vines stress a little bit and the roots start to train more down into the ground so that they would become more drought resistant eventually right. and also have a little bit better flavor profile of the different strata they're getting into. So um, so the wine has evolved over time and, and just keeps getting better. It's a 20 year old vineyard now, so it's in its okay. prime. And um, a lot of fun to work with. All right. Well, let's let's try this. Yep. It is so different from that sparkling. Oh, it smells blackberries, spice. Yep. I wouldn't say it's not it's not tobacco, but it's those dark spices. Maybe um, not maybe five spice. But definitely those darker, um, darker berries, darker f flavors. Yeah, blue fruit, we like to say, um, as opposed to maybe one of our pinots, which is more red fruit. Um, and a, a nice that spiciness. Is silky. I mean, yeah, ten intended to be um, um, what we refer to as a white tablecloth Zinfandel. So it's not overly jammy. It's not overly alcoholic. Um and um, and like all our wines, you know, really produced to be enjoyed with food. Yeah, um, no, this, you know, this is wine, this wine is happy with a burger. It's happy with a pizza, but it's also happy with, you know, a, a five course black white tablecloth, you, you know, dinner with a, a nice meat course um, because it it's just got this versatility to it and a little bit a little bit of body and, and spiciness that stands up to a lot of different spices and mm -hmm. flavors. It's got a not a lot of acidity, but a mild acidity that, to your point, could really stand up to a lot of different foods. And yeah. the finish is long lasting. It's um, the 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 flavor, the texture, the body is is absolutely wonderful. This is well, this is amazing. It's a very well made wine. Thank you. I'm loving it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Jack, what do these wines sell for? Uh, the, the sparkling, uh, Brut Rosé is $58, uh, retail and the, um, the Red Zen is 52 retail. Our members get yeah. it for less. So if you join our, yeah. if you join our membership, you get, you get, a, you get a lower price, but, um, they're, mm. they're kind of in the middle of, of what we do. We have a few wines that are more expensive, kind of more in the Cabernet blend, Cabernet, Cabernet blend realm. And we have less, less expensive wines, kind of like, you know, the, the, the lighter white wines, et cetera. So talk a bit about your business model and how people can actually get your wines or get access to your wines. Yeah, we're, um, we're, we are a winery that does not focus intentionally. We do not focus on distribution. So, um, you know, at, at four or 5,000 cases a year, depending on the vintage, you know, we don't have the economies to be able to compete, um, with the big guys that have no. really, really low costs and, and, yep so much of the wholesale world is focused on price. And so we, 
we tend to focus on meeting people here at our winery that are on some kind of a wine vacation or corporate meeting or um, uh, or or weekend jaunt from San Francisco or the Bay Area and um, and meeting them, having them um, enjoy our wines, fall in love with our story, our setting. And, um, and so 98% of all our wines are sold direct to consumer. Some straight out of the tasting room here. Many, uh, we ship all over the United States. Um, okay. So many people buy wine and have it shipped. And then we have a wine club um, that ships wines out three times a year. Um, and, uh, you know, pe people get a little bit of a discount in exchange for a commitment to buy some wine for a period of time. And that's a very kind of traditional winery model. Um, the things that we're doing that may maybe are a little bit more innovative, creative, non-traditional, we have a um, we have a whole program where we um, uh, we bottle our wines in two ounce and four ounce sample bottles. Oh, that's really smart. Yeah, we ship those out four wines per package. Sometimes with a little cheese and crackers. Sometimes with some chocolates, and um, those typically get purchased in a bundle of say 20 or 25. I have a, for instance, in, in about an hour and a half, I have a, um, a, a Zoom tasting with a, a corporate group and they bought 25 packages. We sent them to 25 of their clients and we're all gonna get on a Zoom and we're gonna do, in this case, it's a blind tasting of, of four of our wines. Ooh, and they're holding Yeah, they're holding a little competition to see, we're gonna take them through kind of, what are you tasting, blah, blah, blah. They're gonna guess what the wines are and then the, the winner gets a case of wine. and, and um, so we have, we have that fun. program. Unlike, you know, during the pandemic, people were starting to do things like that on Zoom and discovered that you know you, you your tasting room is not open, but you can still host a tasting. And but but by and large, that was always done with full bottles of wine. Yep. And what yeah, and what we found was if you want to have a forty five minute experience or an hour experience and taste a few wines, you can't afford to buy four full bottles, nor yep. nor can anyone consume that much and stay healthy. So these, uh, the two ounce samplers- Or are get anything out of it at the end of it. <laughs> unless, right, unless you right. have like four or five, six, seven people or more. Well, if you have a bunch of couples, and we've done some of that where we've said, yeah. okay, we'll ship some wines and you'll assemble some people and they'll all, but those don't tend to work very well because they all start having their own party and you're on Zoom and they're not. And, they're not paying attention. Um, they're but, talking over you. Yeah, yeah I've 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 had a couple of those, and and I understand. But they they were really a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and and interesting. Wine's a fun product. It brings people together. It creates yep. memories. You know, yep. there aren't that many there aren't that many food or or beverages that have a history unto themselves. I mean, this 2021 Zinfandel is the product of the rains that came the winter before and right. the weather the whole summer. Yeah. And, the, and, and it was hand farmed and tended to and touched the vine about five or six times by hand during the year. And it was picked by a, 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 a professional picker. And it was, you know, processed by, um, you, you know, a, a caring winemaker and cellar master. And then it, it sat, you know, we chose when to pick it, which is the most important decision of the year. We chose how to, how to press it and, 
and how long to cold soak it. We chose what kind of barrels it would go in and how yep. long to age them. And so there's there's this whole history that, that every single bottle is different. And, you know, it's a it's a it's a living organism within the bottle in terms of its uh, evolution and development. And so I just don't I, I enjoy a great gin, gin and tonic like anyone else or, or a cold beer. But but there's something about wine that um, that has um, um, uh, an, a, a romantic component that I've always been attracted to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's an and, emotional and then you get connection. Yeah. You know, Sorry. too, like just like to your point of the rain of whatever might be happening that you may know, but not other people would know. And right. I think I think in some cases that's the romantic piece of it for especially people that are in it like we are. But I think it can also be intimidating for people that aren't until they till they, you know, reach out and, and then they try, then they they're once they learn they're in. Right. Once they well, learn the story and and understand behind the scenes part, you know, they become a lot more integrated within the brand and appreciate it and fall in love. Right. Like that's what ideally what you want. Absolutely. And, and, and everyone can choose their own journey. Right. It's like it's like if you're really into the details, you can get infinitely into the details or you can just say, I don't know why, but I like that. And yeah. I want more of it. Exactly. And, and, yeah. And so <laughs> I don't know if it's little... sweet or dry. I don't care. I just really like yeah. it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think sometimes the wine world tends to maybe make our products too special. And, you know, we use a lot of words that aren't common words to describe them. And, you know, and, and people almost feel insecure or dumb when they, when they can't describe a wine like a professional Psalm would. But, that's not really necessary, right? Right. To me, to me, it's about what's the occasion, what are you eating, and is the is the wine and the and the are the wine and the foods paired correctly in terms of one doesn't overpower the other, and right. you know, and 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 from there you can choose if you want to get more into it or not. But uh, we shouldn't take ourselves. We like to say we we take our wine seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously, and. Yeah. Um, you know, many of our guests are are just here enjoying a fantastic vacation in a beautiful place, and wine is what brought them here. They don't really, they don't, they're not really into the details. You know, I can go into lots of details. Like for instance, twenty twenty three is going to be a really interesting vintage. It was colder than it's ever been uh, this winter out here. It rained more than ever in recorded history, and so bud break you know, kind of the beginning of the, of, of the vintage life for the vineyard started a month late this year. Oh, um, wow. And, and the, the time between bud break and harvest is a fairly fixed time. So we're expecting harvest to be on the average about a month later. And that has a lot of implications. It can be really, really good for quality uh, because we get extra hang time in the warm of fall. It could be really catastrophic in terms of yeah. pushing us into deep fire season. Um, yep. and, and so, you know, there are a lot of things that make each and every vintage unique in and of itself. And, um, and that's just part of being in this business It's part of the variables that you, like I had to learn, I'm, I was a trained CPA. I was into things kind of footing and tying and balancing and precision and no you know, gray area, man, just black and white right? I, <laughs> numbers. Black and white business. 
right? balance then, that you know, stuff the, out. <laughs> very first harvest we ever had, um, the, 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 the pick came in like 15% higher and we didn't have enough barrels and I had to spend more money on the fruit. My whole business plan went poof. Outdoor. <laughs> you know, and, and everyone around me is like, welcome to the wine business. Next year will be totally different. And, uh, yep. and it has been. <laughs> it has been. So that's a good segue. So, so, so Jack, where are you from? I grew up in Ohio. Um, I'm a Buckeye. I went to Ohio State. Um, I grew up in a family that um, uh, we, we raised sailboats. That was our, that was our passion. Oh, fun. We, that's cool. Uh, my parents raised a boat when I was very young. I, I raced a boat. My sister and I used to campaign a boat. Um, and we, we went out every vacation I ever had until I went to college was sailing. And um, um, after college, I got an accounting degree, uh, went to Houston and was a CPA for a while, went to Harvard Business School um, and joined a classmate in the, um, we were in the uh, shrimp business. We imported, processed and marketed frozen shrimp products from all over the world out of- uh, You're kidding. Yeah, and we were like Bubba Gump, but uh, but yeah. we didn't have folks. <laughs> I just go cholesterol. Ah, we're all we're all middle yeah. aged now, and like our cholesterol's too high, so we can't eat shrimp in Florida anymore. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> that's um, fun though. It, you know, so Bubba Gump. Yeah, yeah. Um, met my wife Anne. Um, we got married uh, and um, lived in Florida for a while in the shrimp business. And then uh, when we decided to have children, we wanted our kids to grow up around their grandparents. And both of our parents had. Um, uh, retired in uh, Dallas, Texas. So we moved to Dallas. I looked for a job. I got a job, um, totally different world. I, I ran, a, uh, I, I started out doing real estate deals for corporations and um, ended up running a company that did that nationwide um, for many years. Um, gravitated away from that after 9-11, went, um, decided to be a little closer to home. I ran a um, design firm that's focused on hospitality. So boutique resort hotels, and oh, fun. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, and I've started a couple of small companies, some, some small banks. Um, and, um, so, um, you know, the wine industry was completely new to me, at, but it fit my pattern, which is, you know, every 10 or so years, I kind of try to challenge myself and do something different. And yeah, that's uh, great. That's fantastic at all. But I, but, but each time I kind of pull from things I've done in the past. So my accounting training, my design training and my luxury food training from the shrimp business all kind of helped play a little bit of a part in who we became as a winery. And, yeah, and um, the hospitality for sure. Right. Right. So, uh, so that's how we ended up here. We still have a home in Dallas and that's really our, our, our primary home, but, but we spent a lot of time here um, making sure that uh, guests are being treated right. And all the decisions at the winery are, are going well. I have, I have some partners um, that came in and helped us financially make it possible. And I'm their representative and, and the person making sure their investments being managed correctly and, uh, and we're growing the business and, and, and doing the kind of things that we said we'd do. So where did the bug come from? Because every people love wine, but they don't always want to, you know, start a yeah. company. I mean, what you've done is, is major, right? To come from, not being in the business to have this passion to, to just be all in that's, that's really unique and, and a big commitment. So how did that process come about with you and your wife? Cause I'm sure she loves wine too. <laughs> well, yeah, right. I mean, there are a lot of people like wine and, and you'd be surprised how many people we meet here every day who tell us 
we're doing what they've always dreamed of doing, right? Exactly. And, um, not pe- and, not very many um, people can execute that. So congratulations. Yeah. Like that's a really big deal. Um, I thank you. I, I feel very fortunate. Um, I've tended to have a career where I've always said I've always done what I said I was going to do, and that has um, that has opened up an opportunity when we do find something we want to do that others want to join us. Um, you know, we sold one of the banks I started in Dallas. We sold right about the time that my youngest daughter was going off to college, and so we weren't kind of married to being in Dallas every day anymore. And we had kind of a business we had just exited and a bunch of friends who had made a little money on that investment saying, what are you going to do next? And it coincided. With <laughs> How are we going to make money? <laughs> Come yeah. on, Jack. You're goldmine. I had a friend, I have a friend who's one of the families that owns Schramsberg, the big sparkling um, yeah. wine um, experts out of Calistoga. And we had always been invited to come out for a harvest party, but we had never been able to come because it was right when the kids are going back to school. And so yeah. here we are, 2011, um, we get an invitation. I'm like, you know, that's two days after we dropped Sarah off at, at, at George Washington. Why don't we go? We ended up coming out here for a couple of weeks. We went to that party. We rode our bikes and we just fell in love with Hillsburg. We fell in love with the, the wine country. I met a few yep. people that had started wineries. The real estate market was depressed and not quite totally recovered from the 08 crash. And so kind of all the the wheels started turning in my head. And 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 we we said to ourselves, you know, if we're gonna do something for the first time in a while, we could do it anywhere we want. You know, yep. if, if you just have that that luck, that good fortune uh, of having the flexibility of saying, Where where would I like to spend some time? And I, I have to tell you that that this this area, this this Northern California growing region, it is it is so beautiful. The weather is so fantastic almost year round. You know, we're only twenty miles from the ocean. We're we're a couple hour drive from world class skiing. We can go to the city and and experience yep. culture, and um and it, and it just it really appealed to me as a place that we could spend some time, do something new kind of scratch our creative itch in terms of learning a new business and a business. new realm and doing it and, together, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that, 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 that's kind of the seeds of it. And, and the enthusiasm that our friends had when they would say, what are you doing? And we're, we're going to start a winery in California. And they're like, I'm in. And, um, <laughs> like amazing. Right. I love um, that. That is fantastic, Jack. That's great. So, yeah, you earned fun. it. Yeah, you've earned that. You know, it's a great balance. And, you know, you, you you have people that spend their whole lives in one place or they spend their whole career doing one thing. And believe me, there are many days that I am jealous of that, uh, the stability of that. But then, you know, if you challenge yourself and you go out and you want to do a few different things and you're willing to kind of take a risk and be in a brand new arena with a, as, a, as a newbie around a bunch of people who know what they're doing, um, and learn from them and make mistakes yep. and maybe try to have those mistakes be less expensive over time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, then it, then it, then it, it's, it's, it's really kind of fulfilling and it has been so very it's, fulfilling. It's I just, yeah. I just posted about that, um, you know, yesterday about, um, 
Dr. Angus is a celebrity doctor, but he, he was on the Howard Stern show and we love his interviews. So we, we, we listened to his interviews and he was talking about how doing, you need to challenge yourself every day, do something different every day because it helps your brain. It helps your, you get more fulfilled, do something scary, do something different. Like you gotta, um, it's, it's long. Yeah. It keeps you, it, it really keeps your brain alive. And he was saying that Google went out and did this study. They bought all the ancestry.com genealogy and DNA and said, what, what, how, how much of uh, longevity is due to genes? Cause you hear all these people, well, my grandma was 108. Well, great. I should be 102, you know? And what they're seeing is that it's less than 10%. It's somewhere between four and seven. I don't know. I saw the data in different places um, that your genes actually create longevity. So the other 90 plus is up to you. And keeping right. your brain going and challenging yourself and not retiring. He he was saying that every year you you put off retiring, you decrease your uh, percentage of dementia or Alzheimer's by 4%. And that compacted year over year over year is really impactful. So Absolutely. Um, it's Social so important. interaction is so important. I, yeah. I, I meet new people every day here. And I'm not real good with name, remembering names and, and um, my wife's is my memory where that comes in play and ends the memory in our family. But, but, um, see, you balance each other. But, great. You know, it's perfect. New people every day and, and everyone, you know, people that, that we meet that they, they all have such fascinating backgrounds. And, and even, even in the business here, when we do social things amongst the other wineries, you know, one, it's a very collegial environment out here. Yeah. So like, for instance, during the summer, we very frequently host parties for the other wineries. We it's, it's like an outreach thing where, you're inviting all of their teams to come over to see what you have and taste your wines, enjoy a little of your hospitality because, you know, in, in part, you're, you're wanting them to know you you're here. So they'll re- refer people to you and vice versa. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff. And the the people that we meet that are in this business, I mean, they're just, they're fascinating in terms of, they are. That's you know, why I started the podcast. <laughs> it's yeah. exactly why. No, there's some of them are like second, third, fourth generation farmers that have become winemakers. You know, it's, it's funny. All the people that their grandparents were farmers and then the parents were farmers and then the grandkids come along and say, you guys know what you're doing. You need to be making the wine because that's where all the money is. And then they realize that's not where all the money is. But, um, um, but then you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, then you have people like me who come in and we've done something else, maybe had some success somewhere else in our, our lives. And we're, and we're, you know, here, um, we're, Anna and I are probably different because we live here. We, we are in the grocery store. We're in church on Sunday. We're, we're, we're here in February in a rainstorm, uh, when it's chilly. And, um, you know, they're, they're, um, um, you know, I think maybe the maybe the stereotypical Texan coming and having a winery is, is that we fly in for parties. That's not what we're doing, and that's not our experience. What the others are doing, um, it's a it's a business. It's a it's a business that requires commitment and an investment of your time and your energy. Yeah. Um, and um, there's so many variables, and there's so many things that can go wrong that you just feel like you have to stay very very in tune with what's going mm-hmm. on, talking to guests constantly to kind of be able to judge how are your wines being received um, and, uh, you know, informing your decisions. Because frankly, it's one of the hardest businesses to plan for because, you know, I made decisions five, six months ago committing to the grapes we're going to buy 
this September at harvest that won't turn into a sellable product until maybe some of the whites early uh, mid mid next year, but but for some of the wines, not for three years after that. So you have to yeah. really kind of take a leap in terms of uh, not only the capital you're investing, but just making the right decision about what are you making, how much of each of the wines are you making. Um, yep. And you think and, about you know, the trends that can change on a dime, that's kind of scary too. I mean, the wine doesn't change as much as some other industries of, uh, I don't think, but, um, you know, you're always going to have your, the, your main varietals. the production team so long, right? If yep. you have a two to three year average time that it takes from deciding you want to do it to having it, it's not like the craft beer business, which is fun, right? But you can, you can wake up tomorrow and say, I think I'll make an IPA that's XYZ. And, you know, in, in a few weeks, you can have that. And, right. um, well, you know, or the spirits business, which is similar. Um, mm -hmm. so it, those are more kind of turn on a dime, be really creative, flexible, do all kinds of new things all the time. Wines that just by its nature is a little bit more of a slow moving, um, decision matrix. Yeah, it really is. It's, you know, and I, I compare it to, to spirits a lot because typically, you know, yeah, you have your bottle production, you have your label, you have your marketing and all that, but you buy the grains, you know, you distill it. The still distilleries are not cheap or anything by, by, and, and, you know, in that way, but if, you know, the process is just, it's different. You can, yeah, you have to age the product in most cases. Right. Um, but it feels like to me, the, the investment is slightly different. Yeah. You have to buy the barrels and you do have to age the product depending upon, even with tequila, you know, you're going to have to rest it depending yeah. upon how many months and, what type of barrels you're going to use? Is it new? Is it used? Is it this? Is it that? Um, so yeah, there is definitely that capital investment um, for even beer too. You know, a lot of breweries are um, are also using barrels to age their their beers. But you know, going back yeah. to the agriculture side, it's that's still um, you know that's still different. Most most people that are you know, that have a brewery or a distillery, they'll own the land that are growing the grains that are, you know, they're sourcing it. I mean, and you source too, and other wineries source a lot of, yeah. a lot of other things too, you know, but I just no, feel like sure. the wine industry well, is. Half the wines we make are from our grown grapes and the other half of the wines we make are from other small family farmers around here who grow and sell grapes. And right. um, I think it's a great balance because I want to be able yep. to, you know, for our on-site kind of business model, I want to be able to have the turnkey operation happening mm -hmm. here. I want people to to be able to touch the vines that went into making the grapes and walk them up the hill to the production facility where it was actually made and the barrel room where it was aged. And all that happened right here. And that's all very um, authentic and, and, and fun. But, but then you also have just this great variety of things in, in terms of other things you can do. Yeah. that we can do and we have the luxury of being able to do so it's kind of the best of both worlds yeah it really is yeah that's really cool i i, I love that i really do and so uh jack and i met at um, a house party a friend of mine i call her my bestie on the show her name's jamie chambron but uh she went to harvard too so she invited me to come along because um you know she went to harvard and so that's kind of where i met jack and his team and they had a lovely tasting of what five or six different wines, maybe. 
I think it got a little out of hand as he stayed longer in the evening. But yeah, I think. I oh think yeah, the program we, was. we went. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't stay that long. <laughs> we yeah. just uh, did the tasting and kind of uh, went to another wine bar. I think and just kind of hung out. But yeah. it was lovely. It was right by the lake, and um, you guys were, you know, educating us on all the different uh, wines. And that's kind of where I met Jack. And I thought that what you guys were doing was pretty unique and, and a great story. And, and Jack agreed. And, and, um, he, he was a little bit delayed. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your sailing trip? I'm curious to know how that went. Oh yeah. Um, no, I have a, a great friend, uh, Doug and Kathy Williams in Dallas who, um, have a history of chartering boats in the Caribbean and, um, decided to take a leap, um, and build their own boat so they so they had a they, they built their nice own boat school. well they 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 had a 51 foot fountain peugeot catamaran built in france um that nice. that we were supposed to take delivery of in september um do some sea trials in the med and then sailed across the atlantic in november to be in the charter fleet in the caribbean for the holiday season last year and then supply chain issues hit the yeah. manufacturer. The boat got delayed to the point where we didn't have time to sail it. Um, you can't sail across the Atlantic until the 1st of November or you avoid your insurance because that's hurricane, hurricane season. season. Yeah. So there's like literally these things I'm learning that like there's literally a flotilla of hundreds of, of boats leaving Europe and sailing west across the Atlantic. Um, that all leave right on November one, uh, or you know, within a day or so. So it's like my you're not palms really are so there. sweaty. Like, how are people yeah. so brave uh, to do that? Uh, having grown up sailing, <sighs> you know, Doug asked me, "What would you would you be up for a journey where we do this Atlantic crossing? We've got a we've got a guy that's coming with us who's part of the delivery team for the uh, for the boat builder that's done it before." And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." So anyhow, that didn't happen because of delays. So they put the boat on a freighter instead. So the consolation trip was we got on the boat um, a little over a month ago in uh, St. Thomas, um, USVI mm -hmm. is where the boat is located. And and we spent 22 days on the boat. Um, we had three different groups of people. So the first week was with two other guys and we did a passage down to St. Lucia, uh, you know, open water, no land in sight. Um, having to navigate, doing shifts on, you know, on four hours, three hour shifts and um, sailing at night. And that was just a blast. And then um, we got to St. Lucia. Those guys got off and then our wives and a couple of other couples got on and we did island hopping down through the Grenadines and um, snorkeling and just had some fun, went to some great restaurants and visited some islands and did nice. a little, little fishing and cooking. And then those guys got off the boat and then we did a week where we came back um, we were sailing at night mostly and hitting Martinique, St. Martin, um, uh, Guadeloupe. Um, um, we went to Nevis um, and just just absolutely had a blast. And uh, so, you know, it was like one of those things where for the first couple of days off the boat, you still feel like you're moving. You're moving. Uh, yep. <laughs> but it was, it was great. It was a great thing to, to be able to do. And um, and I would do it again. So, well, I had the 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 luck of being able to do something similar my wife her her cousin her partner and his brother he's in oil and they're they're all captains of ships and can sail and do all that kind of cool stuff so 
Yeah, we went to the British Virgin Islands for two weeks and it was pretty remarkable, uh, you know, just being in open water and fishing and seeing the coral. <laughs> it's just, is really an amazing experience. So I didn't obviously get to as many places in, you know, 22 days as, and then if you're doing three hour shifts in open water, that's a lot. You're getting through some, 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 some getting some miles there, but the yeah, that's great. We hit, um, we cool. hit, um, Portola and Virgin Gorda on this trip. Um, okay. In the BVIs. Yeah. 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 It was, it's like, we, we'll probably only do that once, you know, it was really cool. I really like, I've heard about doing it in um, Belize down in the islands down there. And we've been yeah. close a couple of times to do that. There's but, some great destinations around the world. Croatia and the Croatian coast are really um, very popular. Um, you know, um, the med, um, like like the south of France, are all you can do it there, but the the winds aren't quite as interesting, and and there's not as much wind, so you end up not getting kind of a pure sailing experience. And it depends on what you're into. Something like seventy five or eighty percent of all the sailboats chartered, they never even raise the sails. They 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 have a captain, they have a chef, <laughs> they are just enjoying being on the on the water and the nautical lifestyle. And they, they kind of motor from one harbor to another and do snorkeling and stuff. Sounds great. Right. But, um, mm -hmm. but we, we just, uh, the sailing's in my blood. So I, I, when we had to turn the motor on, if we were in, in whatever situation or we were late for a dinner reservation or something, it was always kind of a disappointment that we hadn't, you know, like Christopher Columbus, we hadn't figured it out. Right. <laughs> but even he didn't know where he was. Right. He ended right. Up no, not at all. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, um, it was certainly, um, an interesting experience to, I don't, we sailed as much as we could. Um, but you know, you can always yeah. fall back, you know, on the motor if you needed to, but yeah. yeah, it was just such a incredible experience of literally there was three child, three kids under the age of 11, I think at the time, and then four couples. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of people on a tiny boat right and uh it was great it was lovely it was just it was really cool yeah it was a really yeah. neat experience yeah i am yeah. not a sail sailing person i've i've always loved it like when i worked at remy we were, we did mount gay rum events and regattas and stuff like in key west which was really cool and we got to go out on a boat and just kind of watch the event you know we didn't get to you know sail as much or anything like that but yeah. it's but when it's I pretty was in cool the shrimp business we lived in south florida and we did some of those regattas we did i did the uh Star Bacardi Cup a couple of years uh, down there out of Miami. So, nice. But, you know, sailing in, in, during the day and uh, and drinking rum at night. So there you go. You got yep. You got to do yeah. it. I mean, it all comes together. If you're gonna sail, you got to drink rum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, these days, stuff. I think uh, I know rosé. <laughs> rosé. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, a multi-occasion wine for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Jack, this has been amazing. I appreciate the time. I know you've got guests coming in here shortly. And uh, I, I I, really appreciate it. And i um, so glad we connected. Thank you for the wines. They, they're absolutely wonderful. I wish you all the best of luck. If there's anything I can do uh, to help along the way or, or, or reach out to anybody, let me know. Um, do you have... No. Thank you, Jesse. It, it's been it's been fun, and I enjoyed meeting you. I hope you'll come out and visit us one of these days, so I can show you what we're doing uh, and where we are, and and uh, and just share a little bit about uh, about this great location out here in Sonoma County. What 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 month 
because I'm thinking maybe we just because my wife and I are both virtual these days. Um, yeah. And maybe we just go Airbnb for a month or rent a house or something. What month would you recommend to to come out and and where people are accessible? I think um, I I we've always found that when you come out here in off peak times, it's the best time to be here. So the most popular time to be here is kind of August, September, October harvest season. That's when probably seventy five percent of our guests are here. And you know, but it's it's warm, it's crowded, it's expensive, and and um, you know, there's just there, everybody's busy. So all yeah, the winemakers are busy, busy. etc. So, I mean, if you were out here in the month of June, I would tell you the month of June is interesting because the weather's perfect. It was it was 49 this morning. It'll be 75 this afternoon. I oh, know that's awesome. You. Yeah. Um, you're out of the rainy season, which ends kind of beginning of April. And so May and June are great times to come. A lot of, a lot of people tend to do family things in June. So they have weddings, graduations, whatever. And so they're... So wine country as a just kind of a couple's destination, if you will, isn't quite as busy. Uh, the weather's good. And you when you come during a non-peak time, you have much more of an opportunity to kind of interact with the principals at a winery, whether it's a winemaker yeah. or the owners. And, um, and you tend to be able to get a better a better table at a restaurant, not pay primetime prices for hotels. So um you know, November is good too, but you start to get, you know, November, mid-November, you start to kind of get into um, a time when, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, you know, a, blust, a blustery 60 degree day that's overcast can be a great day to taste wine. Um, uh, um, and, you know, we get bluebird 70 degree days in December and January. Um, but in terms of kind of just when would I come if I wasn't living here already, I would come in late May, early June. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe maybe late May, early June would be yeah. prime time because uh, you know we don't have kids, so we could we were not tied to any school times or anything like that. So yeah. um, maybe right before school gets out could be great, or you know something different. Sure. I, I've I've want to do it because obviously I'm I'm a W set level three. I get I get I'm in the industry, so it would be so cool to just get out there and just, spend time with you all. You need to come out here and just. Get yourself a base of operations and do a bunch of tastings and broadcasts from here. Yeah, I'm. Awesome. I'm hoping to do. You can have this room. <laughs> okay, that'd be so. It's beautiful. In fact, you've inspired me to like fix my background here. <laughs> How could I do that on the cheap? Like that is like amazing. I love the lighting because people that know this business are like, do the lighting in the back, and I'm, I'm and yeah. that is it's it's perfect. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. So those yeah. are actually fairly inexpensive racks. I think they're made by a company called Vinoview. You can buy them uh, online, and um, and uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a fantastic setting, and uh, we enjoy it a lot. We we feel very very lucky and fortunate to have the opportunity to be here. You know, in this this stage of our life, so we're happy. Yeah. Well, the universe, you know, responded. <laughs> yeah. you know it was right at the right time i mean you got in at the right time and you've been able to kind of grow the business at the right time and you know especially because with covid and i'm sure that accelerated the d2c piece of your business so you know that's great it did. i mean if you're going to have a national calamity where where people couldn't come here and and all the restaurants closed at least people were still able to ship wine 
we were still able to ship it to their houses. And, and yep. you know, a, a huge percentage of their budget is uh, diverted away from buying food and wine at restaurants. And they had, you know, they can buy less expensive, better wines to enjoy at home. So, you know, from that standpoint, um, the pandemic, it's certainly, it's certainly um, interrupted our growth trajectories in terms of meeting people, signing up new members, you know, yep. uh, building awareness. But, but from a, just a pure kind of staying in business uh, viewpoint, um, we, we, we all survived pretty well just by serving the people we knew um, and making sure they got the product they wanted. And thank God for UPS and FedEx, you know. Oh, right. So. I know. <laughs> thank goodness that model was set to, to continue for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Jack, this is, again, sorry, I, I keep asking questions, I think, and because I'm just, I'm very interested in, in what you're doing, and congratulations. Do. Um, I, I can't wait questions. to get out there and, and see your property. Thank you. You're, and, um, and I'll make sure you're on our list, because we, uh, we come back to Dallas and do fun parties um, frequently. I'd love to have, have you and your partner join us, and um, we, we're, we'll be back again in October. I live down the I live down the lake from from Gus where where I met you and we'll okay. have a series of tasting there so maybe we can meet up again. Yeah, that would be really fun. I um I'd love that. Yeah, for sure. We'll be back September sometime. We have a wedding in early October, so we'll be there through probably around Thanksgiving. So I'd love that. That'd Good be deal. fun. I'd love to meet your wife. Right, That'd Jesse. be great. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. Take care. Next Thursday, I'm speaking with Lorenzo Zonin, owner and winemaker of Poder San Cristoforo Winery located in Tuscany, and Jaume Baje is a farmer located in the Prioriat in the Catalonia area of Spain. Lorenzo uses biodynamic farming for his winery of 17 hectares or 42 acres, mostly planted with Petit Verdot. And yes, he's a cousin of the famous Zonin family. A wine tasting brought these two together where they started talking about their interest in aging wine differently. In water! With loads of research and testing, they have discovered the best results are when they place their handmade 750 milliliter terracotta in forest, 30 meters or nearly 100 feet in an open water marine park located in the Mediterranean Sea where actual Roman amphoras have been found. Given Lorenzo's knowledge and love for Petit Verdot, this is the only varietal they will use commercially for now. The wine embodies some Mediterranean Sea influence as the vineyards are by the sea. They age the wine in French oak barrels for 10 months before each is hand-filled and hand-sealed, which makes this product even more rare. They place 600 amphoras per year for 9 months at 10 degrees Celsius or 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Their first vintage was in 2019 and they just put 2021 under the water this June. They would make more if they could, but the manufacturer just can't make more amphoras. Each bottle sells for 240 euros and comes in a wooden box with a ceramic stand to display it in your home or office. It also comes with a pretty cool certificate of authenticity. If you know anyone that wants to learn more about this for their own winery, or if anyone from a university is interested in getting data and really dig into what they're doing, they are happy to work with you and share all their information. Lorenzo and Jame are very innovative, curious, and they love to learn. I feel lucky to have spent time with them, and I look forward to their progress and any new innovative adventures that await them. Thank you for listening, and be sure to subscribe to be notified of all new episodes. This week's episode was produced by Fedora J Productions.